Kogmeyer. If you're gonna go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You gotta go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Hey everyone, hope you all had a great weekend. We're back, me and Lance Pugmire, with another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. I'm Mike Coppinger, and we have a lot to discuss today. Obviously, Dillian White, he's now back in the driver's seat, hopefully going to get a title shot in the near future after taking care of business against Alexander Povekin. Povekin did not look right, and we'll talk about that as well. We're going to be joined by one of the rising stars in boxing, Shakur Stevenson, the Olympic silver medalist, to talk about his first fight as a headliner on Puerto Rican Parade Day weekend in New York. He is part Puerto Rican. And then we have, of course, the news, Oscar de la Hoya, the golden boy. He told us weeks ago that he was going to be making a comeback, and now it's going to happen on July 3rd on Triller. So big shakeup there. That's not going to be golden boy promoting the fight, but Triller. So let's get into it right now. And if you haven't already, please, everyone, we appreciate it. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Lance, hope you had a great weekend as well. I know we have baseball season coming up now. What's going on with you? Well, just got back from Arizona. I take a, an annual trip with my uh, sons to go and see our uh, beloved San Diego Padres. They look very strong heading into the season, Mike. And uh, look, we got a couple selfies with Fernando Tatis Jr. and some of the guys. Um, you know, very strong team. Very excited about what uh, uh, the upcoming baseball season is going to be all about. And uh, I know you are excited as well as, as a Mets fan. And I understand that, you know, I didn't have as much time, free time over a weekend as you did, Mike, but you watched the UFC fight. What was your takeaway of that heavyweight title fight with Nagano defeating Stipe Miocic? Man, I, I, you know, I saw some people complaining on Twitter, you know, this is a boxing uh, page. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I am a way bigger boxing fan. Boxing is my favorite sport by far, way before I even covered it. But I, I didn't used to like UFC, but I do enjoy it now. You know, I watched the big fights. Uh, I enjoyed it in a casual sense. I thought Ngannou looked great. Um, he looked. Ex- I, I watched the first meeting between Ngannou and Miocic a couple of years ago, and I thought Francis looked a lot better this time. Obviously, he was in better shape, uh, at least physically. We didn't get to see the cardio because the fight didn't go long. But that was a great fight. And I, I think Stipe showed big, big balls. We already knew he had huh. him, but he just was trying to trade with that monster in there, and he got flattened. Um, but it was a great undercard, too. I, I thought Sean O'Malley looked really good. That was a brutal knockout. The guy was flat on his back and he came in and just landed a huge right. I, I don't think I've seen that before, Lance. I know you've covered a lot of MMA, but to land a big right hand like that while the guy's already laying flat on his back, that was uh, scary. Very, very tough. The worst I ever saw was back at uh, UFC 100 where Michael Bisping was knocked out by Dan Henderson and the referee didn't jump in in time. And Henderson just, you know, Bisping had done a ton, a ton of smack talk leading into the fight. And he just pummeled him, you know, on the on the canvas, and it's like, you know, it's not right. It's a, that's not a that's not an act of 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 true sportsmanship, in my opinion. But you know, it is allowed in the game, and it's not like they're going to disqualify you uh, for it. So that stuff kind that kind of stuff happens. And you know, I know that there were some memes uh, that were distributed as the referee Herb Dean was scrambling into the position to save the life of Mielsic. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting card, but let me, let me say this, Mike. I mean, I understand what the boxing fans are saying because look, sometimes you hear this stuff and it's like, let's not get carried away with ourselves. Great, great victory by Nagano, but you can't say that this translates for, for this guy to be a, a heavyweight boxing champion. I mean, clearly there's a lot more skill that's required to make this fight only stand up. And while this guy does have significant power, 
I think if he steps in there against, against the likes of anyone like Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, even Deontay Wilder, uh, it's a different ball game entirely. Oh, yeah. So let's let's chill out a little bit on that whole. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Best he heavyweight in, in the world. Lane. Yeah. He needs to not, stay in his lane. Yeah. Yeah. Baddest man on the planet. No, baddest man in the UFC. That's fine. We can give him that. But I think the heavyweight <laughs> agreed, boxing Lance. champion, Mike, we're the still going to keep that The baddest man on the planet is Tyson Fury, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, you know, Fury's the best right now. And look, the big takeaway, obviously this has been beaten to death, Lance, but boxing needs to get their shit together because the, the pay-per-view undercards, frankly, suck in boxing over and over again. That UFC pay-per-view undercard was stacked and we get it. We know that the fighters make a lot less money in the UFC. Boxing needs to figure out some model to get proper undercards because, I mean, look, the, the O'Malley fight was fun. That uh, Tyrone Woodley fight was great. Woodley, you know, hurts uh, Luke and then... He comes back and gets knocked out. Well, sorry, he actually taps out after being hurt badly, but he taps out and, and he's in the uh, chokehold. And, you know, it was just a great undercard, all action. But boxing undercards were always waiting, just waiting for the end. It's like pain. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the solutions, Mike, is that I know we don't you, look, the UFC fights, the ones that you're talking about, these guys are like moving up the rankings too. Like these are significant fights, they mean something to the, to the rankings. But, even if boxing matchmakers can sort of uh, raise their hand and say, look, we know we're not paying these guys as much. We know that their their uh, title aspirations may, may be minimal, but this is going to be a damn good fight. Why can't that type of fight end up on a, on a, on a pay-per-view undercard or at least any kind of like main fight undercard? So at least we can have this blood and guts, you know, type affair that we can, that fans will enjoy leading into the main event. But to just have like these, one-sided showcases um you're right is not is not it's a disservice to the sport it's a, it's a disservice to the fans who are investing all this money into the pay-per-views and these uh, you know their time into these main events that we're seeing i mean and this is obviously not a new problem lance i mean this has been going on right. forever in boxing i mean don king used to do absolutely stacked cards in the, you know the, the 70s 80s and 90s but i can't remember the last and you know what it is i can't actually remember the last pay-per-view undercard fight where I was like, wow, this would be an excellent main event on its yeah. own was Danny Garcia, Lucas Matisse. That was the co-feature to Floyd Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez. I mean, imagine that. Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez in the main, and then you have Danny Garcia, Lucas Matisse, which would be a big, big fight on its own, not as a pay-per-view, but as a, you know, ESPN, Showtime, whatever. And that was the co-feature. So look, I don't necessarily expect that. We need to get some better fights. Yeah, why not? I mean, the the money that's being paid, and I understand, like, look, what we hear over and over again from the promoters is, you guys don't understand, you know, anything about the finance finances that go into these fights. It's like, look, what we do understand is the finances that the public is paying for these fights, and when they're repeatedly coming back saying that they feel ripped off, you need to address that situation. So figure out a way to to pay for these types of fights that will allow for that maximum interest that we are seeing from the UFC cards. Yeah, Lance, it's hilarious. We, you and I hear it all the time. Oh, you don't know this. You don't know that. You know what? Fucking figure it out. It's not up to us. <laughs> right, it's up right. to you. If right. your model doesn't work, then mark you correct. Pay the fighters maybe a little less if you have to and get them better fights, whatever it has to happen. But if you don't fix it, somebody else will come in and they will fix it. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but somebody's going to figure this out. I'm confident of it. So better be you to fix it than someone else come in and fix it. That's the way I look at it. Um, moving on, Lance. We have Dillian White come back on Saturday and took care of business. He told us on the podcast that it was going to be the white towel that ended the fight, and it indeed was. He was prescient in his uh, in his prediction. 
The white towel comes in from the corner after Dillian White drops Povetkin with a hellacious combination. I believe it was a right hand and then a right hand to the neck and then a left a left hook that just crushed him. And Povetkin, he really did not look right from the opening bell. I don't know if it was, look, the guy was in the hospital two different times for COVID. He is 40, I think he's 41 or 42 years old. Did not look right. His legs looked wobbly, but Dillian White took care of business was aggressive, but he wasn't too aggressive this time. He did hurt him badly in the first round, and we saw him yeah. come in and start throwing a couple of wild haymakers, and then he must have told himself, all right, just be composed, be patient. We know what happened last time, because Dillian White last time dropped Pavekin four twice in the fourth round and then got knocked out cold in the fifth. This time, he finishes Pavekin in the fourth round, and now he's back. I mean, he's definitely a top-five heavyweight, and... Look, yes, he has his weaknesses, he has his issues, but he's a big puncher. He's a lot of fun in there. This guy needs to get a big fight. Yeah, I mean, to uh, to talk about that, Mike, I mean, I think he it was the anti-Anthony Joshua performance, right? What we saw with Joshua against Andy Ruiz was basically exercise caution, do enough to win the uh, fight by points, and get that belt back. But White threw caution to the wind. Like you said, that first round, he was just, you know, uh, blitzing those shots, and I, uh, you know, look, he's an entertaining fighter. I, he's an entertaining heavyweight. And the fact is, is that even though the heavyweight division or the, the heavyweight title is kind of tied up by Fury and Joshua and, and whenever they're going to start fighting, there's still some significant fights that can take place that are going to be entertaining fights. And, and uh, you know, God damn it, it's the heavyweight division. There's going to be interest in these fights versus, you know, uh, you know, a, a junior lightweight title fight. I'm sorry. People care about the heavyweights. The heavyweight division is the glamour division. And if you can match Dillian White against anyone like Deontay Wilder, I know it's not going to happen, but like Usyk and Joyce are going to fight. There's no reason for the Usyk-Joyce fight to do anything before a title shot comes. But, you know, to have all the Andy Ruiz is going to be in play, let's get these guys in the ring. These are entertaining fights that I'm sure the masses want to see. And even if there is, is not a, uh, a heavyweight belt on the light it, it, on the line, it, at least it kind of shows like you don't need belts. Everything that you talk about all the time, belts don't matter. This would prove it. So Dillian White, he's, he's exhibit a, that we should be using to, you know, stage a significant showdown for this guy in the heavyweight division and watch how many people show up to watch it. And we're going to, we're going to see, you know, um, you know, this point proven again, I, I, I totally believe that. That's a great observation, Lance, because not enough has really been made about that yet. Dillian White gets knocked cold, absolutely cold, and then doesn't show one ill effect in his mentality. He comes in and throws bombs and right. ate a couple still in this fight, but he didn't care. So this guy has big balls and he wasn't gun shy one bit. And that's what really is going to endear him to boxing fans. We need more of that. Eddie Hearn, his promoter, talked about trying to make a fight with Deontay Wilder, said it's definitely a stadium fight. Obviously, no question. That's a huge fight in the UK. It's a big fight in the US too. Again, we doubt it happens. Politics, of course. But, I mean, when you look at boxing right now in the heavyweight division, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, those are obviously one and two by far with a bullet. After that, I think Deontay Wilder and Andrew Ruiz are the second tier of guys in terms of name recognition, maybe mm -hmm. even skill. And then after that, I think Dillian White leads the pack. You have guys like Dillian White, Joe Joyce, Alexander Usyk, Michael Hunter even, Joseph Parker. So look, Michael Hunter versus Dillian White. That's a great fight. I mean, Dillian White versus Andy Ruiz. Awesome fight. They've talked Love a lot it. of shit in the past. So Dillian, we've said it a million times. We want to see Dillian, Deontay Wilder against Andy Ruiz. Something has to give, but... 
Good for Dillian White. He's back now. I think we saw um, Pavekin's longtime promoter, Robinski, say that he wants to see Pavekin retire. That's probably yeah. the right move. It's funny, Lance. I feel I'm 34, but I kind of feel old now because I remember being in college, seeing Pavekin on the way up. I mean, my friends and I would be like, wow, this Pavekin guy. Is... Mm-hmm. I remember watching a, a, a stream of Pavekin knocking out Chris Bird back when he was like, I think it was like his seventh fight. And I was like, wow, they're fast tracking this guy. Um, this must have been in 2005, I think. So, you know, this guy was an Olympic gold medalist. He's had a great career. His only losses now were to Vladimir Klitschko, Anthony Joshua, and now Dillian White. He had the draw with Michael Hunter. But it's been a really nice career for Pavekin. But if I'm being honest, he probably didn't accomplish everything we thought he would coming out of the Olympics with all the hype he had as a prospect, but still a very nice career. Yeah, it was probably a, a little bit too soon for him to take on Klitschko. And look, even when you reflect on the first matchup against Dillian White, Mike, I mean, he was he did get knocked down, as you uh, made reference to. And I just felt like, you know, Dillian White this time just said, you know, look, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be left susceptible to that shot. And I do agree with the promoter who says that, you know, it's probably best for Pavetkin to move on because, look, once you're getting knocked out like that, uh, I think that, you know, the the more uh, damage you take on, it, it it's the sooner the effects start to uh, infiltrate your life. And no one wants to see that. Right, Lance. And look, yeah, Dillian White needs a big fight, but he's not the only one. There's a lot of guys in boxing that need big fights. Shakur Stevenson's certainly one of them. He's 23 years old. This guy is a real talent, supreme talent. He's a great boxer. He moves well. He has great defense. And you can just tell he's a really smooth fighter that's getting a lot better with every fight, and he's getting stronger. The problem, though, is that Shakur has not had anything approaching a big fight. His only decent opponent so far is probably Joe Gonzalez, who is clearly levels below Shakur. That was for the 126-pound title. Now Shakur Stevenson fighting at 130 pounds. And last summer, he feel, he was I think he was the first fight, uh, actually first fight period coming out of the pandemic. He fights Felix Caraballo, a guy no one's ever heard of, on ESPN in the bubble. All right, maybe we give them a pass. That was the bubble and it was the coming out of the pandemic. Then Shakur Stevenson moves on. And it was supposed to be the date for Miguel Burchell against Oscar Valdez. Burchell comes back down with COVID. Shakur moves into that date in December and fights Tokakon Clary, a guy who had 126 pounds, was knocked out in the rounds. And Shakur played with him. All right, fine, fair enough. Now Shakur Stevenson is coming back June 12th, and the opponent, Lance, is going to be, as we said on the podcast last week, somebody named Jeremiah Nakathila from Namibia, a guy no one's heard of again a guy who has fought outside of Namibia one time, and I was in Russia for a loss. So I just wonder, what does this do to help Shakur's career? Because this guy needs big fights. Like, everyone needs big fights to become bigger along the way, and he's not getting it right now. I think it's great that he's going to be in the main event on Puerto Rican Parade Day weekends. Shakur Stevenson's father is 100% Puerto Rican, so look, that could be he could be a big name for Puerto Rico, maybe. Maybe the Puerto Rican fans take to them, maybe they don't. We'll see. It's a great spot for him, but it's not the right opponent because it's not going to do a big rating now. And we know if he fought Oscar Valdez, that's a big rating. I mean, Jojo Diaz, that's a big rating. Even Roger Gutierrez, who looked really damn good in January against Rene Alvarado on the undercard of Luke Campbell against Ryan Garcia. That will be a big fight. But instead, we have Nakathila, and I think it does Shakur Stevenson disservice. But let's hear it from the man himself because we're going to be joined by Shakur Stevenson right now. Shakur, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first off, you know, obviously it seems like you're ready right now for a big opponent, but it hasn't happened yet, but I, we see you demanding it all the time. Uh, when do you think it'll happen? I can't really, um, 
I can't force nobody to get in the ring and fight me. I can't uh, put a gun to somebody's head and say sign a contract. So um, I don't know. Uh, I think after this fight, depending on what Frampton and uh, Jamel do, uh, if Jamel win, he got five days to decide whether he's going to fight me. Uh, he might vacate it, and I might be fighting for that belt at the Garden. And then we could uh, fight Valdez next. But um, if not, uh, we'll do probably do – if Frampton win, we'll probably fight Frampton uh, in Ireland. And then uh, after that, I got a belt and then go fight with uh, Valdez. Either way, we looking for Valdez. Valdez the fight I've been wanting. Valdez the fight that I want. I could have I, – I really wanted this fight next, but um, – I guess there's a lot of business going on with it, and they saying uh, want me to get a belt and make it a bigger fight and all that kind of stuff. But if it was up to me, I'd be fighting Valdez next. Is the expectation uh, Shakur that Herring would vacate? Why would he do that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a question for Herring. I think that uh, he said his team was looking for big opportunities at 135. So. So Let me ask. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we as a, uh, speaking strictly as a boxing fan here, we sat there and watched a top ranked show when Oscar Valdez so impressively defeated Miguel Burchell, and you were there. You're sitting ringside. You're watching the fight even closer than we were on television, and they almost turned it in into somewhat of a show where you know it was very clear that you and Valdez seemed to be on this collision course. How in the world is it off track now with you having to fight someone else uh, in June? I think it's more track because I think they want me to get a belt. Um, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I've I done asked several times, and I told my managers. Uh, my managers came back with other um, things that Tyrone saying that Valdez don't want to fight in June. So um, I can't. I can't do nothing about it. Like it's nothing that I. It's not in my hands. It's more so in Valdez's hands. So I guess we gotta wait till the champion feels he's he's ready to fight. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you frustrated by the process? You know, look, we've seen you. I was there in Reno when you beat Joette Gonzalez for the featherweight belt. You've obviously looked very impressive since then. Uh, Two other fights against, you know, I mean, look, any fighter who steps in the ring deserves credit, but these were mostly nondescript opponents. Are Are you getting frustrated by the weight? at age 23 and being ready like you are? Yeah, I'm getting a little frustrated being that I'm asking and I'm begging for uh, these fights. So it's frustrating for sure. But at the end of the day, I used to get more frustrated. Like, if you had asked me this question a couple months ago, I'd have been more, like, a lot more frustrated. And, but right now I'm at the point where it's like, I under like I get it. Like, I can't, I don't got no control over the situation. Like, I have no control. I can't sit there and, Make somebody fight. Like, I, I done said everything I done said. I done called uh, fighters ducks. I done, like, I done vocally spoke up and said stuff that to try to get these fighters in the ring. But you can't blame these fighters for not wanting to fight me. Like, I mean, well, you can't blame me for these fighters not wanting to fight me, basically. So, Yeah, and look, to be clear, Shakur, no one is blaming you because there are some fighters that we know are risk-averse, but we hear what goes on behind the scenes, and we know that you're always pushing for the best, demanding the best, and it really is out of your hands right now. I guess what I'm wondering is, Top Rank is your promoter, and it's they're the ones tasked with making you into a bigger star, and the best way to become that bigger star that you seem to be on the path to being is to fight big-name opponents. 
So I would have loved to have seen you on June 12th fight a big name, not this guy, Jeremiah Nakathila from Namibia, who no one knows. Because look, even if it's not Oscar Valdez, who you called for, there's a lot of big names at 130. Like Jojo Diaz, there's even Roger Gutierrez. There's like a tough guys from England, like Joan O'Carroll. Like has Top Rank made offers to any of these guys? Uh, I'm not sure. I, you said Jojo who? Jojo Jojo Kana who? Oh, Jojo Diaz, Joan O'Carroll. Uh, Joan O'Carroll. I mean, <laughs> he's a bit, he's a tough guy from England. He's not a big name, but he's you know people know him in the UK, and I thought that might help you in the UK. But there's a lot of guys at 130. I, I'm not division. sure. I think that the thought process behind this dude was um, I was number one in the WBO, and he's number two, so. I think that was the thought process behind uh, this dude, basically. So whenever I get the title, we won't have no mandatories in the way of stopping me from being able to fight Valdez, I guess. I think that was mainly the thought process behind me fighting this dude right now. But I'm not sleeping on this dude. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just call him a bum and all that kind of stuff. I mean, dude is 5'10", they say. Well, from what I heard, he's 5'10", so I don't know how much of a bum that could be, so. No, look, you have, you got to take every opponent seriously. You're, you know, you're an Olympic medalist and you're one of the rising stars in the sport right now. And this is a big time for you because like you said, you're, you are part Puerto Rican and you're going to be fighting on Puerto Rican parade day weekend in New York. That's a big deal. I mean, that was once Felix Trinidad's spot. Uh, Felix Fodejo took it after that and he didn't develop the way top rank hoped, but now it could be going to you. It looks like. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely feel good fighting on that day, um, getting um, more Puerto Rican fans. And I'm excited. Like I said, uh, after this fight, we're going to look for the bigger fights. We fighting, I'm trying to fight whoever and whenever. Like, I don't care what's the date, how, where. I done told people how to go to their hometowns that from other countries. And um, I can't, I can't, I can't control, like, what's going on. Like, I, I'm going to keep saying it. Like, I can't, I can't sit back and stress over not being, not having the big fights that I want. When the big fighters is like, no, we're not gonna fight uh, Shakur. So that's really my main thing right now. Like I'm just trying to stay focused and stay locked in because it will come a time where I'll be a cash cow and they'll all be knocking at my door, lining up in in the line asking for the big pay that payday that they need. So uh, we'll just sit back and wait for that. I I totally under, having covered the sport, Shakura. I I totally understand what you're saying when you're saying things are out of your hands. I just I just want you to elaborate on that a little bit much because clearly you know you would look at this situation as as an outsider and say, look, out of your hands, you're the fighter. You should be the one, or can be the one, sort of demanding that your promoter get you the fights that you want. And the and to the point of like the mandatory them declaring this as a mandatory for a title shot. I mean, I saw a previous WBO letter that already established that the Frampton Herring winner was supposed to fight you. I don't understand how this fight has to be made for you to get to that point. Do you raise those questions and do you and what do they say in response when you say like, "Hey man, this isn't good enough for me." I'm not going to uh disrespect uh none with with top rank. I know that uh, I didn't say several things and Went up to top rank myself and said stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, they're gonna say the same thing that I'm saying. You can't force a fighter to get in the ring with you. Um, you can't force a fighter to say, you know what, I'm gonna sign a contract and I'm gonna fight you. I was several people mandatories. Um, actually, I was Valdez mandatory. He went up, said he don't want to fight. 
um, I'm gonna be the mandatory for this fight. Women yeah. will have a have a choice whether they they want to fight or not. So I can't like other people like to say that they the boogeyman's and all this kind of stuff. But if we being realistic, like I done been mandatory. I'm about to be somebody else mandatory, and we're not even sure if that if that fight is gonna happen. So. Um, yeah, I just got to stay focused. Like I got to stay focused and keep on um, grinding. God's honest truth, uh, Shakur. I mean, I spoke to Top Rank, and Top Rank says, "Look, we uh, Shakur at 23 years old. We like the idea of him instead of sitting on his hands of him being in the ring uh, fighting. So we want to try to keep him busy. You know, busy, and, yeah. and and those fights will be there. I you said something though that I wanted you to elaborate on. I mean, you're willing to venture overseas to fight Frampton if it came to that. Can you talk about that mindset that would bring you to that locale? I I would do that only because of the fact that um, if he win this fight with Jamel, he would be the champion. So being that he's the champion, uh, you got to pay respect to the champion. You can't just disrespect the champion. Mind you, uh, I done seen the best of the best go overseas and go fight overseas and take the belts from the champions and I gotta respect that what they done uh as far as like Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford they go overseas and fight for belts and come back with world champions and you gotta respect the greatness in that so I think that um I'm I'm more excited if uh Frampton went for that just for the fact that I can go over to Ireland and beat him up in front of all his fans and take his fans and uh become a world champion. Yeah, and to your point, you're right. We saw Errol Spence go over to England and beat Kell Brook for the welterweight title. We saw Terrence Crawford do it uh, in Scotland with Ricky Burns. And we know that you've already had a ton of international experience fighting in the Olympics. You were one of the best amateurs in the world for a long time. And I think it's clear why no one wants to fight you, right? I mean, you're a great defensive fighter. You're hard to hit. It's hard to look good against you. And I'm just wondering, Shakur, if there was somebody you could fight right now, forget about titles and all that. Who would be like the top three guys you'd want to fight? I think right now my only mindset is uh, my mind is on one person. I think me and Valdez would be a big, big fight, being that he performed the way that he performed with Richel. And uh, he showed boxing skills. Um, he showed great. He showed a lot of stuff in that fight. And I think that the world respecting him, and I just feel like being that they, he, he done earned their respect, I think that it's now time for me and him to have a big, big, big fight. So. And, and and you're right. And that's what's so frustrating as a boxing fan because this sport could be so great and we see it happen with the UFC all the time. And you versus Valdez right now coming off that victory against Burchell to do it on Puerto Rican Parade Day weekend in New York, that would be a massive fight that ESPN would certainly get behind and promote the hell out of. You would do a big rating and you'd be favored to win that fight and then you'd be on your springboard off to stardom after that. So if it's not going to happen in June, I really hope it can happen for you sooner than later. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Um, I can't, like I said, I can't say and, and elaborate too much on it because it's, you feel me, it's not in my control. Listen, Oscar Valdez control, he's the champion. Um, he, the ball is in his court. And whenever the time comes, I'm, I'm going to beat him up too. But like I said, I've been trying for the big fights. Even this fight, uh, um, what's that dude that Jojo Diaz just fought? Shafkat uh, uh, Rakamoff. Yeah, um, and he fought a good fight with JoJo, and we even tried to get him for the IBF title just to see if we could skip a little bit in line. And I guess uh, he he's like he's so focused on uh, somebody that he's fighting already, like maybe some Japanese guy. Yeah, some Japanese guy that he's fighting already. He's so focused on him that 
we he not really gonna give me the opportunity or they not gonna give me the opportunity to skip the line and make it happen. So I can't, like I said, I can't control what's going on. As in with Jojo Diaz, we don't even know if he can make 130 now. Like, I don't know, is he still a 130-pounder? He says he's staying there. Okay, cool. Well, if that fight was um, on the line, I would definitely be willing to fight Jojo Diaz. I don't, I don't duck no challenge. I'm, I'm with all the smoke. In the meantime, Shakur, you're, you're going to be dealing with this fight in June. I mean, the thing is, is, in watching your ability, you're just such a pure talent. You can tell, you know, how dedicated you have been over the years with your grandfather, you know, leading the way or, or guiding guiding your career. What is it about, you know, you at this point that you are still working to develop? How can Shakur Stevenson be any better than he is right now? I mean, um, it, it comes with... Uh with age and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think now I'm just working on my power and sitting down. And I think my power been getting a lot, lot better since I first started pro and till now. But um, I just want to keep getting stronger and stronger, sharper and sharper and better and better. Like I want to be at a level where, where I feel like Floyd Mayweather was at, at a, at a, uh, at a certain point in his career where he was just so good that, it just was, I don't know, it's just certain things that he was doing. Like, it's just the levels to it. And I just know that it's still for, more for me to get better. So I'm uh, still working on that. And I'm still in the gym and putting in more and more work. Yeah, I mean, right right now, you you said, uh, I, the reason I was thinking about this is you told us that you were, you're in Louisiana watching an amateur uh, tournament. Uh, when you think about yourself at that young age and the fact that you have become a world champion who's, you know, standing as this, you know, um, I think you're in the definitely in the top five of best fighters uh, age 25 or younger right now in the world of boxing. How I'm proud are you? One. I'm number one. <laughs> okay. I'm number one I love sure. it. <laughs> how proud are you of yourself? And and when you reflect on how far you've come, what are your what's your immediate thoughts about that? I mean, I I definitely um, feel good like being that out here and seeing like. Uh, some of the amateurs and all that kind of stuff. It, it makes me feel good knowing that I, I was brought up in the right system. And now where I'm at is like, I'm at a whole different level. Like just watching it is like thinking about myself years back. is like, I was nowhere near as good as what I know now, or how talented I am now. And all the stuff that I know right now, at this moment, I didn't know back then. So um, it feels like, it feels good knowing that and, um, like I said, I'm just trying to keep getting better and better. I'm still nowhere near where, I'm, where I want to be at. Yeah, and look, Shakur, you just you already had a title of 126. You're now fighting at 130, uh, chasing a title there, and we've already seen you get a lot stronger physically and just you know in your appearance. You're a lot bigger now. How far do you see yourself going up in weight? I probably could get to like 147. Uh, I think that. When I when I grow like in weight, I think that my skills is gonna carry like me to through the weight classes. So it don't really like matter how big I get, cause I'm gonna be so skillful that I can fight at certain weight classes with no problem at all. So I think that I should be okay to get party to like 147. I thought it was very interesting, Shakur. We had uh, Carl Frampton on uh, on Friday, and he was talking about not only his fight with Herring, but about what lies before him after that. And you know what he said? He said that when he uh, if he fights you, he expects to be the underdog. 
Uh, that was that was startling. You're talking about a you know a, a a three division champion at that point, a veteran fighter, you know, expecting to be an underdog against a 23 year old Shakur Stevenson. What do you what's your takeaway of that? I think that he he knows what's like he know what I'm capable of, and he know that uh, how good I am. So um, I think that he respect my game. I don't. I think that uh, Franklin is like a real dude. He just, you, know, you got to respect Franklin too because he's like he's like a real person. He's not like one of them dudes. Who, give you like a certain character or a certain image and lie about certain things that he say. When he talk in the media, he speaks on the real stuff. Like he speaks on, okay, if I lose to Jamel, I'll retire or uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. Like he a real dude. So um, you got to respect him. He don't lie to himself. He know that uh, if me and him was the fight and his brain, his mentality got to be an underdog mentality because I'm so talented and so good that um, he knows, like he knows like what level it is. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Uh, you know, I think everyone recognizes that right now. And last question for me is like, we know what you're saying. We know you're trying to fight the best and it's out of your control, but top rank your promoter, that's their job is to deliver the biggest fights for you. And we know how boxing is right now. It's very politicized with, you know, there's PBC, there's matchroom, there's top rank and there's different sides of the street and all that. But at the end of the day, don't you think that your promoter, whoever that might be for each fighter needs to do the best job they can to deliver those fights? I think that top rank got a good plan for me at the end of the day. I think right now, uh, I think that they got a plan in their brain. I think that they got it all under control. I think that uh, people get riled up so much in the moment. And then um, when the big fights happen, like, oh, me versus Valdez, uh, they so hype, like, right now that they not they, they thinking like that fight will never happen. And uh, being realistic about it, uh, top rank probably has a good plan where uh, they're going to make me and Valdez a bunch of money and uh, it's going to be a big fight. And we both young. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I see the, I see what y'all saying. Like, because it, it hasn't happened yet and I'm calling for it. And he might've said my name one time every in his career, but you know, I think that Tyrone has a good plan. I'm not going to, uh, this Tyrone, I think that Tyrone has a great plan ahead of me. And I think that uh, we're going to, Board together. That's all. Honestly, Shakur, I think the the words that you just expressed are the words of a veteran. Um, how, where do you get that patience from um, to be able to kind of yield and say, like, I trust in my uh, people to make this happen for me? Where does that come from? I think that I just, uh, I think I got a lot older now. Like, I think that um, before, like, you had asked me this, these same questions two, three years ago, I promise you, I'd have been mad and sitting here frustrated and thinking about, like, I want to fight. Like, that's all I be thinking about. But at the end of the day, I'm starting to understand business. I'm starting to understand life. And I'm starting to get more patient now. Like, I, I understand that uh, no, that I really do want the Valdez fight bad. Like, I really mean that. With everything that I'm saying, I mean it. But I know that um, he just became a champion. He just went at the toughest dude in the division. Why go after the first, uh, the tough, the other toughest dude in the division, like, he know how good I am too. Like, he know right after Bertrell, he's not going, he's not thinking about fighting Shakur. Like, so, uh, I just put everything in perspective now. Like, I know that, uh, I know how to be patient. I know that, um, that fight is going to happen. I know it ain't going nowhere. Long as he's still on top of his game, I'm going to be on top of my game. That's all. No doubt. Score, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. We look forward to seeing you on June 12th on ESPN as you headline on Puerto Rican Parade Day weekend in New York City. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Lance, let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Thanks again to Shakur Stevenson. Great stuff as always. If you're not already, you can follow Shakur Stevenson on Twitter and on Instagram at Shakur Stevenson. Lance, like you said, I actually am impressed with Shakur's patience and composure here. He is not, doesn't seem too frustrated. I certainly would be. And look, it is out of his hands to a great degree. Like you were saying, though, I just wonder what offers the top make, make past his Nakathilo fight? Did they offer the fight to JoJo, like we said? Did they actually make other offers? What was the offer to Valdez if there was an offer? You're right. Maybe Valdez and his team didn't want to take such a tough fight after winning the title. That's certainly their prerogative if they want. But I just wonder how hard Top Rank tried to make this fight. We do know that Top Rank tried to make Shakur Stevenson against Jamel Herring late last year, but Jamel Herring already had a deal agreed to with Carl Frampton. There were a lot of complications and backdoor dealings there. And you know, now Jamel Herring is moving forward this Saturday with the fight he agreed to in the first place, the fight he wanted, the fight Carl Frampton wanted, which leaves Shakur Stevenson without a fight. But there are other fights. 130 is really deep. And if it's not going to be a big fight, it certainly could be a better fight than Nakathila. Yeah, I mean, look, I think as uh, reporters and, you know, you respect the the years of service that Bob Arum, a, a, a top top rank, has uh, devoted to the sport. And certainly, you know, his his planning and scripting for a young fighter's career, you want to, you know, say like, OK, this guy understands because he's done it before. And that's true. But look, look at the issues that are happening with Tiafima Lopez, Mike, and clearly like. You know, there's a fine line between balancing and handling a, a young fighter's career and not letting him get too frustrated to the point of, you know, irritation, anger, hostility that you're seeing from Tiafima Lopez toward top rank. I mean, obviously, that has reached a point of great bitterness. And are they risking, are they gambling with that happening now in the case of Shakur Stevenson? I mean, okay, three straight fights now without a name opponent. Um, the fourth one better be a name opponent, right? Or you've, you're starting to do a disservice to this guy. And like you said, I mean, you can make a strong case that that name opponent should be there right now. Um, are they gambling recklessly with the, with the future and the re- relationship of Shakur Stevenson by doing this? Or do you uh, truly believe what Shakur said that he can maintain, maintain patience and understand exactly what they're doing in, in their handling of his career? I do believe Shakur was being genuine in everything he was saying about being patient and trusting in the process and the plan. And maybe Top Rank does have a great plan. They are the best developing fighters. But recently, they've had a lot of issues with fighters right. because they can't get the big fights done or they're not paying the money the fighters are looking for. And let's be clear here. ESPN pays Top Rank $84 million a year to deliver big fights. I just want to know, did Top Rank make any offers to Oscar Valdez? Did they even make the offer to Valdez? What money was offered? If so... Did they offer money to Jojo Diaz or a number of other guys in the division? Um, and when I mentioned Joan O'Carroll before, <laughs> which of course I hadn't even heard of, yeah, I don't think Joan O'Carroll is a big name, but he's definitely at least a name in the UK and somebody above Nakathila. That was my point. Not the yeah. fight I'm looking to see necessarily. Um, you know, Shakur Stevenson's 23 years old, Lance. Tiafimo Lopez, also 23, and he's already fought Lomachenko. Devin Haney, 22. He's fighting Jorge Linares on May 29th on the zone. That's a tough fight uh, and a step-up fight. Uh, Ryan Garcia, 22, just fought Luke Campbell. You know, to Shakur Stevenson, I think you're definitely right, Lance. I think Top Rank's playing with fire here again. And if they get Shakur Stevenson a big fight in the fall, great. But it's got to happen sooner or later because this is now three straight fights and they are clearly squandering opportunities 
in a prime date on ESPN on June 12th on Puerto Rican Parade Day weekend in New York. Yeah, and uh, God forbid again that we you know question a, a promoter's handling <laughs> of a fighter. But I mean, here here's my thinking, Mike, and I think you're kind of coming from the same point. You've got Carl Frampton who's getting ready to fight for this 130 pound world title, saying that if he if he fought Shakur Stevenson, he would consider himself an underdog. I don't think that we're saying that JoJo Diaz or any of the other guys that you mentioned would beat Shakur Stevenson, but I think there's more of a buzz connected to Shakur Stevenson if he's in a real great test that allows his skills to shine rather than a, t- a 10 rounds to nothing blanking where everyone's just watching it saying, oh yeah, you know, he, he's he's very dominant, but he's fighting a guy that cannot challenge him. You want to see this kid challenged along the way. And right now, the fact that that's not really happening, this is time off the Shakur Stevenson clock that is occurring. And yes, Top Prank can say, like they said to me even before the, we had Shakur on this morning, I got a phone call saying like, you know, like we want to keep him busy. We feel it's in his best interest. If he stays active, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Frampton Herring. Frampton Herring may be a draw and those guys have to fight again. So we're just trying to get him a fight. I understand all that, but there are better opponents at play that you could choose from and pay for than what Top Rank has done in this situation. Right. I mean, look, Tevin Farmer's out there even. I mean, there's a million guys at 130 that have name value. So, yeah, I think the the stay busy thing is bullshit, Lance, like you say, because if you're not going to get the biggest fight possible, just keep going down the ladder, go down the rankings, not the not the rankings of the sanctioning bodies, mind you, or the WBO, <laughs> but the real rankings that we all know. So, yeah, it's an issue and it's not, you know, Shakur isn't the only one, Top Rank's not the only promoter. There's a lot of promoters and fighters that have this similar problem, but it needs to be fixed in boxing. And I will say, Lance, Top Rank is delivering a good fight on Saturday and Jamel Herring called Frampton. I really like that yeah. fight and I'm looking forward yeah. to it. And we'll be joined by Jamel Herring later this week, Lance. But moving on, we have Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy. He told us he was going to come back and now it's official July 3rd. Who do you want to see Oscar fight, Lance? And do you think this is a good or bad idea? I mean, you know who I'd love to, he mentioned the name. He mentioned Floyd Mayweather. That's who I'd like to see him fight or even uh, Felix Trinidad. But now to hear that it's going to be a former, or is it a former or a current UFC fighter? I mean, this is apples and oranges as we referred uh, to earlier in the, in the, in the show, Mike. I mean, look, we saw Oscar De La Hoya fight last time in 2008 when he was picked apart by Manny Pacquiao. And I mean, badly picked apart. He had really no choice but to retire at that point. You know, my immediate takeaway of him getting back in the ring is that you lost Canelo Alvarez and you're looking for some cash to, you know, uh, help cover the blow. Uh, I don't want Oscar De La Hoya to get hurt. I think this guy retired at the, at the, uh, with his faculties, uh, still in place. And I hope whoever he's fighting, if it is a UFC fighter, you know, that it's something, someone that will not inflict too much damage on this guy because Oscar De La Hoya is a great ambassador for the sport. I mean, even when he was on our show, he was talking about some of the great ideas that he has for the sport. And I don't want anything to derail that, including like a knockout loss. So while I think it's exciting and there's a curiosity factor and a novelty uh, effect being at play here, you know, that we saw earlier with uh, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. It's like, ugh, you know, like I just hope he I hope makes it through that and and can move back to the business of promotion. What What is your immediate thoughts on this fight that was announced by Triller? Well, my immediate thoughts are is that Oscar De La Hoya is fighting on Triller and he's not promoting the fight himself and he's not fighting on the zone. 
which so weird. I wonder how the zone feels because we know Golden Boy and the zone have had their issues related to the Canelo lawsuit and a lot of other things. And clearly, look, Oscar's a massive name still. I have no doubt yeah. that he's going to do big business with this fight. It's just, mm-hmm. it's Oscar De La Hoya. Now, if you're the zone and you're the leadership there, are you wondering, wow, we have Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy. Now we don't even get to reap the benefits of having Oscar fight on the zone. What is happening there? It's just a, it's just a strange move, right? I mean, uh, Triller must have again uh, come in and offered some significant money for for this to happen, as they've done with uh, Tiafimo Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're offering great money, and I'm sure Oscar has no legal requirement. You know, he's not an active fighter; he's probably free and clear of that. But I just wonder how this might f- further fracture any Golden Boy the Zone relationship. What do you think, Lance? Well, I mean, it is it is interesting from the standpoint of you know, we've seen a um, a fight such as uh, Logan Paul, right, that was staged on the zone when he fought uh, KSI. So they have, you know, they've been in the business of these novelty acts. So it is stunning. I mean, look, from what I was told is that when um, Canelo, Lee, Canelo splits gold from Golden Boy, Golden Boy and the zone, you know, talked again. And it's sort of like they felt good about their relationship moving forward. Like it kind of like, okay, you know, like that has happened, but we're going to be providing you fights and, you know, we're going to get be getting you guys good fights. We've got our, we've got our uh, promotional business in play. Rest assured, you know, you'll be taken care of. And yet for Oscar to now say, you know, whatever his fight is going to do, I, I, let me ask you this real quick, Mike. I mean, what do you think pay-per-view wise? How many, how many buys do you think an Oscar De La Hoya fight can do? Can it surpass a million once more? Uh, real quick, Lance. Um, you know, I, I do want to say since this reset with Golden Boy and Canelo and all that, I think Golden Boy's really stepped the game up and delivered great fights for the zone after I think delivering some pretty bad fights, honestly, last year. I mean, Jojo Diaz, Rakamov was a great fight. Mm -hmm. Castano Teixeira was great. Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell. They're talking about doing Jaime Munguia against Mache Suletsky on April 23rd in El Paso, Texas. That's a step up for Munguia. So they're doing a lot of good fights here. And But now, with him going to Triller, who knows? But the pay-per-view question, Lance, I do think Oscar can do over a million if he has the right opponent because I think there is going to be a lot of curiosity, especially after not fighting for what, since 2008 when he got bludgeoned by Manny Pacquiao. But it's going to have to probably be the right opponent. And I don't see it doing the kind of business Mike Tyson and Roy Jones did because Mike Jones is sorry, because Mike Tyson is Mike Tyson. Right. But um I think it could do over a million with the right guy. If we're talking about a Felix Trinidad or a big name UFC guy, past or present. But again, I say I want to see Dana White. That's the fight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and I, I'd love to see I'd love to see uh I mean, I know Floyd would um he since he's you know stays in the gym and is so sharp, I think he would dissect uh, Oscar De La Hoya. But, you know, look, if Trinidad is in any kind of shape at all, that's also a rematch that got away from us that, you know, you could sell, especially if he shows any signs of fitness. So, you know, like you said, whatever, whoever they're going to come up with on the UFC side, if it's a significant name, it's all about names. I think that that's what's going to move the needle here. And as long as you've got those personalities involved selling the fight, there's going to be massive pl- public interest. Yeah, Lance. So it's going to be real interesting to see. Lots of craziness going on in boxing as always. And that's our show for today. Everyone, please let Lance and I know what you think about everything we discussed today. How you feel about Shakur Stevenson. How you feel about Oscar De La Hoya. Hit us on Twitter at Pug Boxing for Lance Pugmire. Hey, real me, quick, guys. There's actually Coppinger. some breaking news before we wrap up that just came across Twitter. 
Um, okay. Yeah, it's your guys' 100th episode. Oh, shit. So oh, here, here's your little kazoo to congratulate <laughs> you on 100 fantastic episodes. You guys have bust your rear. Uh, being from the producer side, it's incredible to see you guys grow and how you guys have brought in all these fantastic guests and to see the response from everybody online all you listeners we certainly appreciate everything you've done but congratulations mike and lance for 100 episodes well done and here's to uh hopefully 100 plus more <laughs> thank, thank you, you so thank much you to our great producer cam molina he's the one who makes the show go forward and actually happen every week and twice a week now so thank you to you as always you've done great stuff we appreciate all and yeah didn't even realize it was 100 episodes so we'll see you next time for episode 101 We'll be joined by Jamel Herring from Dubai to discuss that fight with Carl Frampton. See you all next time.